You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Test, 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 one, two, A, B. Good morning. So happy that you came this morning. If you are visiting with us today from another church, uh, God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our worship service today. If you are here uh, looking for a church family to belong to, uh, we welcome you as well. I'm sure glad that you're here. The uh, notes are on your seats today, as well as a touch card for our Easter service. Um, and uh, feel free to give those out and get some more if you'd like to give those out. As of right now, today, uh, the Easter service is a go. Uh, we are in communication with Altsville Theater. Uh, they are uh, being true to their mandates, and uh, we'll follow suit. And if there's a change, we certainly will let you know. And, um, and I just wanted to kind of speak to you for a moment. Um, churches are making different decisions about holding public gatherings. The Ontario government has issued uh, a request that uh, meetings over 250 not meet, and, um, and so we're not in that, that slot. And um, we're, as pastors here in the city, communicating with each other all over the time and uh, discuss what we were doing today. And so one denominational church, um, because it was an Ontario-wide, the Salvation Army Church didn't open, and one other church that's connected to a city church uh, in Ottawa uh, closed today. But the remainder, the rest of us remained open. And um, we'll just kind of take this on a day-to-day basis. And as we're making these decisions, um, I just wanted to say this, that um, churches are making different decisions for today. So some decided to open uh, like we did. And I want to be really clear, though, we're not open because we're going to kind of declare, we're not afraid, you know, hey, down with the coronavirus, we're not afraid, as if the churches who closed are afraid. <laughs> and, and so the churches that have, um, out of respect, and um, for those that are uh, more vulnerable to the virus and the very real, now global pandemic um, that closed for different reasons, and they're forced to defend their decision. So let's just not be in the voice of public opinion weighing in um, each church, each organization. We're doing the very best we can uh, to make, you know, decisions that are prudent and to move forward. So I just wanted to say that um, we're not here today because we want to prove we can. <laughs> we're here today because we normally meet every Sunday, and as of this Sunday, we're still able to do that. And, uh, and with the precautions and the different things in place. So thank you so much uh, for coming today. And you may see via uh, our online, stay on our post, our page, and see what we're posting. We may have to do an online service next week, and we're ready to do that if we need to. And you can join us that way. And we'll still be together no matter what. And, uh, yeah, how to thrive in the thick of it. That's my, my sermon today. <laughs> it's a mad, mad world, people. Wow, I honestly wish I could just turn the, the social media off. It's driving me crazy, but I can't because it is how we communicate today. But goodness gracious, talk about information overload. I don't know about you, but I just can't process all the information. There's just so much information 
to process. And so Jesus um, taught us, and James wrote, that if you don't have wisdom, to ask for it. And we're going to pray for that right now, that we as a church and you as family, in your families and in your jobs and everything, that we would have wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So I have knowledge, now I need to act. I need to make a decision. But I don't, I'm still not sure. And so the Bible says that we can ask for wisdom. And there's a download from heaven, according to James. It's as if we get a master's degree in knowing what to do. And we're not penalized for not knowing. And God expects that we don't know everything, so he'll give us wisdom. Let's pray for wisdom this morning. Father, thank you so very much that you are with us. You are for us, not against us. And, Lord, in a, in a time where it just seems like uh, the world is losing its mind, Lord, that we would not get caught up in it, uh, but we can process through our lives no matter what tomorrow may hold. And, Lord, we would trust you. And, Lord, you would give us wisdom. Because truly, we don't always know what we should do. But Lord, you said you would give us wisdom. And so we are asking and receiving all that you would give us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So this is uh, thriving, how to thrive in the thick of it, part five. And I want to look at this scripture this morning. Um, Again, uh, it's kind of our, our lesson scripture. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. It's the race of life. Study how he did it. We're looking at the seven saints on the cross on what is called Good Friday. Great for us, not so good for Jesus, the worst day of his life. And we see him relating with our humanity. Although Jesus was all God, he was also all man. And it's kind of one of those mysteries of, of, uh, of, of, of you know, the scriptures that we don't fully understand. If we could fully understand it, we would be God. And so in faith, we accept that he was all God and all man. He became flesh, related with our humanity. And as he hangs on the cross, we get a window into how we can thrive in the thick of it because Jesus uh, made it um, as we continue reading, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. And that's what I want as your pastor. I want you to be able to have the strength to put up with anything along the way, to thrive in the thick of it. On our worst day, we can still get through. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside right alongside God. Our lesson today is going to come from John chapter 19. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished as he's on the cross, as he's nearing the end uh, of his very life uh, here on this earth. And he said this, I am thirsty. <laughs> and and you just t- we're taking this, this phrase as, as Jesus literally nailed to a cross, completely unable at that moment to help himself, completely unable to get off the cross and satisfy his own thirst. He asks for help. He asks for assistance. And in order to thrive in the thick of it, I want you to consider today that we need to be human enough to acknowledge your need. Or let's read what's in yellow. Ask for help. Say it again. One more time. You're still in the room. You won't, might not be here next week, and we'll be live, and it'll be online. I won't be able to hear you, but you're here today. I need to hear you. <laughs> Make me feel better. We need to ask for help. Yeah. And so in order to thrive in the thick of it, as we, as, as Jesus in this moment of vulnerability, I want you to understand today as we look at this that 
There's none of us that are so spiritual or self-sufficient or strong enough that we can face difficulty without asking for help. But it's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. And, and, and I, for one, find it very difficult to ask for help. And I was, I had kind of been raised in this milieu and in this environment that it's weakness to ask for help. If I have to ask for help, then I'm in a moment of weakness and I don't want to be vulnerable and show my weakness. And somehow, uh, I, I think over my life, I've tried to convince myself there's a prize for making it without asking for help. And I'm realizing as I'm getting older that the prize is probably a premature tombstone for not asking for help. Because God actually designed us to be interdependent, not to be independent. And so I want to look at this morning some of the roadblocks of my own life and roadblocks you're probably facing as we look at this whole thing of kind of opening up in, in our moments of vulnerability and our thick of it to be able to ask others for help. And one of those roadblocks, number one, would be the fear of being hurt. And I think all of us have experienced this, and human, our human nature is to run from pain, not run to pain. We don't like running to pain. And, uh, and so we, we will avoid it at, at, at any cost, usually. And so all of us have probably experienced someone who, as we became vulnerable, opened ourselves up. We either got a lecture, or we were told we didn't cut the mustard, or on and on it might go where, where instead of help, hurt was inflicted. In fact, in a community of, of faith like this, we just, I don't want to have, you know, rose-colored glasses. I, I'm aware that there are people that we're all different stages of, of growth, and, and some people think they have the spiritual gift of hurting feelings. And it goes something like this. Hey, listen, can I just be brutally honest with you? If someone asks you the question, can I be brutally honest with you, can you please answer no. <laughs> how, how many know what I'm talking about right now? Because some people, that's an excuse for unfiltered, uh, unloving, you know, unleash what I think you need to hear in the name of being brutally honest. And so some of us have been on the receiving end of that and, and, and been hurt by something like that. And it's easy, easy to kind of close ourselves off and say, I don't want to do that again. And the psalmist said this, when I kept it all inside... My bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. I mean, that's, that, that's fairly descriptive. And then I let it all out, and I said, I'll make a clean breast of all my failures to God. And suddenly, the pressure was gone. And so there is this kind of venting, and we need to uh, overcome the fear uh, of being hurt. Another fear is the fear of rejection. And the opposite, of course, of rejection is acceptance. And I think that we've all experienced at some way, some time in our our journey of life, the stinging reality of of not being chosen, being left out, worse than that, being, being rejected. And it can grow into, this pain can actually grow into what I call the spirit of rejection where the enemy actually preys upon people that they're, they're so fearful of not being included, not being accepted, that, that there was probably a traumatic wound somewhere in their life of not being included, not loved, not accepted, not belonging, that they do everything within their power to gain acceptance. We'll say anything, do anything to buy the acceptance of others. The problem with that is that it forces us to kind of wear a mask 
and become someone that we're really not. Statistics about social media really today really show this whole uh, um, systemic wound of, of, of being afraid to be rejected. Uh, people who are literally living for likes, literally living in a fantasy uh, online presence that if I'm accepted, then I'm accepted. And it can become, again, a, a trap, such a trap where we begin living for the approval of other people. And we're looking, we're looking to fill something in our life and trying to extract it from others. And if they don't accept us, that rejection thing kicks in and it can be paralyzing. It can be so painful. This is a really great scripture from John chapter 12, verse 43. It says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. It's describing the trap that we get into so that we ignore what God is saying about us and begin focusing on what people are saying, and that's how the trap is formed. And, and, and this particular scripture is talking about, as Jesus came on the earth, that there were people who were not choosing Jesus because they were afraid of what the scribes and Pharisees would think about them. They were afraid of what the tr- religious tradition of the day or, that their families were involved in, what their family might say. And so they were having difficulty following Jesus and Jesus says this not to condemn people, not to say, oh, if you just loved me a little more, maybe you'd make it. No, he's saying, he's describing the trap. And he's saying, because you're in this trap of, of, of feeling more focused on human praise and, and not understanding, if you could just hear what God was saying about you, if you could just understand what I'm saying about you, and that God is our greatest cheerleader and our greatest lover and our greatest acceptor, he created us. But the enemy puts a wedge and separates, and when we love and, and we get attached to the praise of people, and we don't know what God is saying about us, we get in the trap of rejection. And so if we, we, we want to break that, and let me just give you a couple of hints about how to break this, and this is what our message is about today, but certainly to help you understand some of this, is that um, I personally believe that sometimes as we're trying to extract a relationship from somebody, and they're, they're withholding or they're rejecting, and we're just like, ow, oh, that hurts so much. It could actually be God protecting you. Because you don't know enough that that's a, that's a, a relationship. Because, because they're rejecting and you're trying to accept, accept me, accept me, accept me. And you begin to go into this pattern. What happens is you begin performing for them. And if they were, if you, they were to actually accept that, now some people will, but if they were to actually accept that, that could hurt you in ways unimaginable. And so I want you to think about it this way. What if some of the rejection you feel in life, Mia gave me this phrase this week, it's so good, is actually divine protection? What if God for a moment is allowing you to experience rejection so that you could push that, or that need away so you can embrace what God is saying about you? Now I want you to think about that today. The Psalmist David said this. He said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And the deal is that many of us look in the mirror and go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not acceptable. I'm not lovely. No one would want me. Nobody would really care about me. I'll go through life, but I'm really, I don't cut the mustard. And um, I, I, my first position in a church was in Oshawa. We had a number of people in the church that worked at GM. And then a number of years later, I go to Messina, I had a GM plant. And this is what they said about, all the GM workers would say about assembly lines. They'd say, hey, listen, if you're going to buy a brand new car, Ask the dealership what day it was final, the final assembly. It came off. 
And if it's a Monday or Friday, say, no, I don't want that one. I want a Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday car. And I go, why? And they go, oh, well, because Friday, nobody's really working. They just can't wait for the weekend, man. Slap that stuff off. You know, only half adjust the, the nut on there. and Get that thing down the line. Hit the quota. Woo! The buzzer rings, and we go out for the weekend. On Monday, everybody's in a bad mood. Every Monday, I don't want to wear this. And they don't care about what they're doing. And Friday's mess is waiting on Monday. <laughs> so, so some of you look in the mirror and go, I think God made me on a Monday or Friday. And what the psalmist David is saying, he's going, no. He breaks that lie and understands. He says, I, part of why I worship you is I figured it out. I'm unique. I'm one of a kind. God, you made me wonderfully and fearfully. Your works are wonderful. And that's why we want at Harvest, we want you to know God. Our, our, our first, we have a number of steps that we want everybody to go through and continue going through. Know God. Find freedom from yesterday. D know that you were designed with a purpose and then begin to fulfill that purpose and make a difference in somebody else's life. And, and David, as he's breaking through this rejection, how do you do that? By, by knowing that God didn't make me on a Monday or on a Friday. He made me, but he knew exactly. And, and for us to get good in our skin. And the way to do that is to know God. Because as you know God, you begin to hear his cheerleader voice in your life. You begin to understand he's for you and not against you. And David said, I know that full well. And that's why we want you to grow in your relationship with the Lord so you can know full well. And only knowing that full well will switch. I like his praises better than those praises. And I'm good in my skin. But we could all be paralyzed with fear of rejection. Another one, fear of being exposed. The fear of being exposed is really that we would be vulnerable, that people wouldn't know where we're really at, and we've been pretending, and we're okay with pretending, and I want Harvest to be a place, and we're continuing to build a culture. We want to continue working together to build this culture that, um, you know, Christina exhorted, and I don't know if she did it in second service, but in first service, she used the phrase that in terms of the fear and the coronavirus, and she said, God is still on the throne. And so that's a statement from the Scriptures, and we stand on the Scriptures, and we believe that God is still on the throne, and, and so we know that God is stronger than coronavirus. But I can use that, I could use that phrase, or I could use that Scripture this way, too. That somebody says, I, like, I'm having, I'm having the worst day of my life, or I'm having the worst week, or I'm in the thick of it. And, and I need to be vulnerable about that. I need to be okay with, I'm going to have moments where I'm not doing well. But we can disguise that in Christianese, and we can disguise that in religiosity. And someone says, how's it going? And we get, we get answers like this in church. Oh, God is on the throne, brother. God bless you and bless me. I'm doing great. No, you're not. And we put the mask on. And I'm not saying that we spill it out for everybody, but we need to have space where we can say, you know what? It's been a tough week. I would really appreciate you just remembering prayer this week. I can use all. I can use all, all the support I could get right now. And it's not a lack of faith. That's not a lack of I don't trust God. But Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, now watch this. He's hanging on the cross. He says, I am thirsty. So he needed help to have water. The thief accused him just moments before. And we looked at this a few weeks ago. He says, if you're God, get off the cross and save yourself. Pretty tempting. If you're spiritual, Oh, you're full of the Holy Spirit? You got faith in the Scriptures? Oh, well, then you just get out of your situation right now and save yourself. Well, Jesus didn't do it. 
And, and, and little did that thief know, he said, save yourself and us too, was that Jesus had to go through the cross in order to save us. And then he related with his humanity and his dependence on God to show us that we can thrive in the thick of it. And sometimes it means being vulnerable and taking the mask off and saying, I'm not so spiritual today that I'm going to save myself because I can't. And I need your help. Can you help me? That's kind of foreign for some of us, but, but it's how God designed us to be interdependent. I want you to look at the person on your right right now. Just look at it. It might be your significant other. It might be someone you came with. It might be social distance. It might be a big space. Uh, but just look. And, and you know, look, look, they look good. They're dressed fine today. Um, they probably smell good if you're sitting close enough. And, and, uh, but I just, want you, I just want you to know, whoever they are, they're messed up. They're messed up. I just want you to tell them right now, you're messed up. Messed up. And you can turn to your person on your left right now. You're messed up. See, the deal is perfection comes after we go to heaven. And right now, there are days that I go through the thick of it and I need help. And the only way that's going to happen is just understanding we, none of us have made it. And if we put pressure that somehow, hey, oh, I've been serving Jesus for this long and I should have it all together. No, that's a lie. Jesus is a pretty good example. I'm thirsty. He wasn't afraid to acknowledge he needed help. So Apostle Paul said this, knowing that we're all messed up. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see. And that's the kind of scene we want here. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. So true connection and true community of faith happens. Well, like right now with the coronavirus, what you're going to see is because the world's in crises, uh, humanity actually does its best in crises. It really does. I mean, we can look at all the things that are going wrong. But humanity really does its best in crises because there is a, a joining together, typically, uh, of, of us, our good side showing where we, we help one another. And so what it's saying is that as we walk in openness, our, our, our relationships with each other can be the strongest as we do that. So I would suggest, and we talked about Phariseeism a number of weeks ago, and we, we want to set a culture opposite to that, where we're all a Pharisee waiting to come out, <laughs> that if you've had a church experience where there's been a lot of judgment and Phariseeism and not a whole lot of love one for another, then I would suggest there's a lot of mask wearing, a lot of mask wearing. And if we take the masks off, then we experience the Bible word fellowship or relationship that's connecting. Well, let's not let these roadblocks stand in the way. And let me give you four, four things that we can do uh, to begin uh, saying, hey, I need help. How do we start to do that? How can we do that? Number one is that you can establish a crew. And uh, we want to talk about the church as a building. Establish your crew. This is why we really recommend that everybody be a part of a small group at Harvest. It's a beginning place and a starting place to meet some people uh, that you can begin to include in your life and begin to, as you're comfortable doing, begin opening up and, and, and talking about your journey. Um, any other Star Trek fans in the room? I'm a Star Trek fan. How many of you enjoying the new Picard series? I love it. Anybody like it? No, you don't like it, Allison? Okay, you get prayer. Um, We'll get prayer for that. Jesus, help Allison. So I like it because it fits my illustration this morning of establishing a crew. And, and so the captain of a starship, um, but he's, got, he's back at it. He's been away from it. He needs to get a new 
crew. And as he's getting a new crew, they're bonding relationally because they're in the thick of it together, forming a crew. Uh, uh, if you... Um, uh, frontline uh, responders, police, ambulance people, if you army, if you've been in the military, you, you know that the brotherhood, there's brotherhood, there's a forging when you begin to develop people that you're doing life with, and there's a crew. And so the idea is that this isn't church, this building, but our lives together actually is a building together. We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined, say joined, together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And what happens is when you begin to put your life in close to somebody else's life and there's a joining, it brings stability to your life. And so when the wind blows, not if the wind, not if the storm comes, but when the storms come, if you're built into the spiritual house called the church, and you got a crew that you can identify, it won't be everybody, but the people that you begin to uh, rub shoulders with and get close to, what happens because of your commonality in Christ and the Holy Spirit, there's a joining that brings stability to your life. And, and the best picture of that, this word, is a hinge. This hinge, and if you know how your hinge, if you ever looked at one, uh, they, they're opposites of the other, and they go together, and it's like Jesus is that pin that drops down inside that holds us together. And I've looked at huge doors, uh, architectural doors. I, it just amazes me. I always look at the hinges when I look at the. I go, what's holding this up? <laughs> and it's amazing the strength, stability, and power of joining together. The other thing I want you to think about uh, as you uh, are going to, um, come into the place of saying, hey, I want to acknowledge I need help. How do I do that? You, you enlist your crew. You enact a growth plan. You enact a growth plan. And I think all of us, if we think about it, realize some areas that we do want to grow in. Identify some places that we just say, hey, you know what? I need to grow in this area. And, uh, and, and the Bible says this in Ephesians 4.16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so a faith community that's healthy, growing, and full of love is one that is joined together. And as we join together and we recognize that it's actually I need something from you, you need something from me, and as we all are who we are uniquely but joined, there's a cross-pollination of strength that makes us all stronger. I saw Karen Brink's post um, and I don't know if Karen's in second service or not. She was in first service. Are you here, Karen? There you are. First, wave bigger so everybody can see you. Can everybody welcome back Karen? Uh, she's on staff for a year. She's been at Hillsong uh, for three years. She was on staff and has come back uh, just doing some, doing some work with her visa. And uh, if you don't know Karen, while she's been away, you're new to the church, um, if your lives overlap, you will be so blessed to meet her and get to know her, and your life will probably overlap with some of her duties that she'll be doing here at the church. And um, if you thought you knew Karen before she left, I just want you to remember that when young adults go away to college and they come back, one of the biggest mistakes we can make as parents or, or as anything is to make them fit back into a spot they were three years ago. And so if you knew Karen, I'll say this. You will get to know what God has put in her and blessed her and the great woman of God that she has grown into and growing into. We are going to be blessed this year. Uh, put your hands together again for Karen. Thank you, Karen, for coming to Serve Harvest for a year.
So she put up a social media post, um, and this is a couple she met in uh, Australia, and she was just giving a shout-out to them. But I thought, wow, does this ever fit what I want to say? And so she wrote this. Karen wrote this. It was Sunday morning, and I was walking to church for the 8 a.m. service. Aren't you glad we don't have 8 a.m. services? Bigger churches, they do. Uh, praying for divine connection to happen that morning. So she's new to the church, and she, she identified an area she wanted to grow in. And, and she said, I sat next to Lorraine. We spoke briefly, but at the end of the service, she asked for my phone number, and my heart nearly melted as I recited the numbers back to her. This was the connection I craved. I wanted to rub shoulders with someone who has lived a little more life than me and contains wells of wisdom, and these two are such treasures and more. They have been consistent and beautiful friends to me, and I will never forget the conversations over coffee and cake and the messages back and forth. So Karen put herself in a position saying, I want to grow by having someone of another generation in my life. And God, would you just, how is that going to happen? And it happened that day for her, and she describes it. And so I want you to think about a growth plan. And, and you know, if you're raising your kids and someone here in church is a little farther down the road than you and you like what you see, by all means, coffee and cake is a great way to buy yourself into their life and just maybe ask them some questions. We can come into a place where we can go, I have a growth plan, and I want what you have, and every part does its place. Now remember, we're not saying someone has it all together, but they have more experience. They're down the road. They've trusted God in an area that we perhaps haven't yet. In your marriage, if you see a couple acting in a way that you think, man, they, they seem like they've, they, they know some things. Let's talk to them. Someone in your small group begins to share a story, and they say, it used to be like this, but God has done a miracle, and now it's like that. And you're like, wow, I want that in my life. Yet get together with them outside a small group and make a connection and begin to develop your growth plan by asking for help. Enlist an army. The church is a flock. A predator will never attack a flock. It's a waste of time. They'll move around. It's so fluid, and they just can't. They won't be able to attack the whole flock, but they will attack a sheep. And so this speaks of that we are, there are predators. There are predators in life. There are spiritual predators. The devil is trying, the Bible says, you know, don't, don't be unaware. The devil wants to wipe us out. Now, we have more power, more strength than him when we act like a flock. And I need people in my life that I can on occasion say, I don't, there are days pastor doesn't have the strength to put words together to make a prayer. It's more of a, oh, or help, or oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> And God loves those prayers. But I do need people who can formulate the words for me and know that as I'm in the thick of it, that I can thrive in the thick of it because I'm in a flock. I've enlisted an army. I've got people. And that's as you move in these degrees of relationship that you can find people, you go, hey, I just need you to pray for me today. And sometimes it doesn't need an explanation. They're like, I'm on it. I got it. I'm on it. And it's so powerful to have people that are watching out for each other and uh, this illustration does not work today because half of us are not here in second service. <laughs> we were about the same in uh, first service. I'm, I'm thrilled that as many people came out as you did, and thank you for coming out this morning. But if we were all here, the illustration would be marvelous because sometimes uh, people are moving to the edge of the flock because something has happened in their life. They're in the thick of it, and they stop coming to church. And what we can do is spot that. Any of us can do it. And spot and go, my wife and I do this every Sunday. We do it with you. Where's so-and-so? 
haven't seen so-and-so. Then I check with your small group leader. How are they doing? And if you're not in a small group, then we try to contact and just send you a, a message or something. How are you doing? And what if we all did that as we act like a fly? Where's so-and-so? Because that's usually the first indication that we need to be on their army whether they want to be or not. What are you going through? I want to be in your army. I want to pray for you. Embrace being loved. If I could have the team come up, we're going to transition and dismiss our service. Embrace being loved. The church is a family. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong. For some of us in the room, that's a hard phrase, I belong. And being candid with you today, one of the things I've struggled with, the opposite of, I said, I'm not good at asking for help. Because often as help comes, it's an act of love from another. And for whatever reason, some of the next steps that I'm learning in my own life is to really not only give love and, and serve others, but to be able to receive it. And sometimes I would feel like I don't deserve your love. I would feel like, uh, but if you really knew, you wouldn't love me if you really knew. And those are the things we want to break down. Those are the barriers in all of our lives we want to break down. And today, wherever you might be at, I want you to know that the Bible is very clear. You belong. And I don't know where rejection may have come into your life, but today I'm believing that rejection can be broken just by you understanding you belong. Maybe you have regrets. Maybe you've disappointed yourself in life. Maybe you think that there isn't anyone that really will love you. That you don't dare to take off the mask. Harvest is a place where people who have blown it, blown. And I just want to say that out loud about four or five more times. Harvest is a place for people who have really blown it, but you belong. And sometimes, unfortunately, church has presented God in a way that if you've blown it, there's like a long road back to acceptance. There's not a long road back to acceptance with God. And so there can't be in our community either. And we need to be on both sides of that. Be those that create the space for it and those that this morning you might need to receive it today. Now, I don't dare say we've arrived or we have this down, but we're working on it as a church. We want to create, it is our intention to continue creating cultures where people who have regrets about yesterday can know God. Maybe you're here and you're just tired of pretending. And you're longing. Karen used the word, I craved a connection. You're craving to be loved again. I want to tell you this morning, you can be loved again. The last fill in the blank in your notes is, I can be me. When I'm connected to those who believe in me, I can be me when I'm connected to those who believe in me. We want to believe in each other, but I, we want to begin with, it begins with knowing God and knowing he's your best cheerleader, no matter what you've done or what you bring along your journey today, with every head bowed and every eye closed today. If you're in the room today and you crave to be loved by God. You thought God was angry at you, or you thought there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to do before God will love you and accept you. I want to tell you this morning, he, He's your best cheerleader. The Bible says that we've all gone our own way, away from God. We, we're born that way. 
But Jesus went on the cross. The reason Jesus was on the cross and went through the thick of it for us is that the penalty of our sin, that, 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 that God's law being broken, the consequence of that was placed on his son Jesus so that we could have a relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, it's a matter of accepting it. And the Bible uses a word called repentance. So misunderstood. Repentance simply means you're going one way, turn around and go another way. You've been thinking one way about God. Now, change your thinking based on what you've heard today and receive that God loves you. And when we turn, well, there's a story about it in the New Testament about a father estranged from his son. The father went out every day to look for the son. And one day the son decided, I've got to, I've got to return home. I, I, I want to return to father's love, but I'm not sure if he'll accept me or not. And so he takes the chance. And as soon as the son turns his face toward home, the father runs, runs toward his son, grabs him, picks him up off the ground, starts kissing his face. A picture of the God who the moment we turn our face toward God, we realize he's never, ever left us, never forsaken us. He's been waiting for the moment for you to accept his love. If that's you today, you've never accepted Jesus into your life. You've never given God your life before. I'd like to give you that opportunity. It's really a highlight of our time here at Harvest is to allow people to make this decision. What I'll do with every head bowed and eye closed is simply count down from five, five, four, three, two, and one. When I get to one, just put your hand up in the privacy of this moment. I'll acknowledge it. We'll probably hoot and holler because we're going to encourage you in your decision today. And then we'll pray a simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life today. If that's you, five, he loves you so very much. Four, we're going to break rejection in this room today. Three, two, and one. Would you raise your hand today? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Brave decision, but an awesome decision. Church, let's pray this prayer. If you raised your hand today, pray this prayer with us. A simple prayer, and Jesus answers yes every time. Dear Jesus, Thank you that you love me just the way I am. I long to be connected to you. I receive your love, your forgiveness, and my new life today. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you've been born again. The Spirit of God has come into your life, and you're in for the greatest journey imaginable upon earth. Congratulations for making the best decision. We're not having prayer today just to honor uh, social distancing and we don't want to spit on you or do anything like that. If you have a prayer need, though, uh, write it down or email it to the office. We'll make sure the prayer team gets it and uh, we'll pray for you. Would you stand this morning? We're going to dismiss in just a moment.